Sounds like it. Good morning. morning. Just want to quickly move uh, the stuff around here a bit before we get started. Thanks uh, very much for that, Lynn. And uh, yes, I just want to say on that note, um, I hope in prayer is not necessarily to plant a church in BC, but I think we're pretty open-handed with that, uh, with what God wants to do. And uh, I think our desire is to, to go wherever He sends us. And it's, uh, it's amazing if we look at the lyrics of that last song that we sang. Spirit lead me. How do the words go? Spirit lead me where my... What does it say there, Jean? I hit a blank now. But basically, beyond, beyond where my comfort measures are is basically what it's about, right? Like, um, and so I think we're in that place where we're, uh, we're thankful and grateful for God's grace to be here in Squamish. But we trust that during this time and in this process, discerning together with Glenn and the leaders here, that uh, in, in that time that the Lord will make it clear for us where He is sending us. So, yeah. But uh, anyways, we're going to carry on this morning with the series out of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, If you're new here at the Rock Church this morning, um, we have been studying the Gospel of Luke, which is called the Skeptic's Gospel, um, for I think it has been now just over a year, Glenn, I think for just over a year that Glenn has been working through this Gospel, and uh, the very purpose of the Gospel of Luke and, and the part of the theme has been, as Leonard pointed out there, is so that we may have certainty as Luke, the physician, a medical doctor uh, who had traveled on many missionary journeys with Apostle Paul and had seen many of the things and had heard many of the stories. He had done sufficient research. and He writes there in the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus, Theophilus in the beginning of uh, Uh, Luke, he illustrates and he says that, listen, I'm writing to you, dear Theophilus, so that you may have certainty about the events of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is the very purpose that we have looked at the Gospel of Luke for that very purpose, that we may have certainty, so that we may have certainty, so that you can have assurance of faith in Jesus. And so if you want to turn to Luke 12, verses 8 to 12, we're going to jump right in there. Uh, There's a a lot of things to unpack. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity to turn there in your Bibles. Hopefully you have a Bible in front of you or on your phone. And in the meantime, I'm going to start my timer there. But uh, yeah, just before we read, let's just... uh, Let's just pray again. Uh, Father God, uh, we thank you, uh, as we had already thanked you and praised your name for this fantastic day that we can come together, Lord, that we can honor you, that we can say, Lord, may your name be lifted up today. May you be glorified, Jesus. And, um, And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can lift up your name and say Lord, this day is not about us it's, it's all about you and it's all for you and so uh, father we come and pray and ask let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and we pray that as it is in heaven today we pray that over our gathering here together as your children uh, father i come and pray by your spirit come and lead us where our trust is without borders 
lead us this morning and come and illuminate the scripture to us. And uh, Lord, you know, uh, Lord, you know my anxious thoughts in my heart. And so I come and pray as the psalmist wrote in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Taste me and know my anxious thoughts. But come and lead me in your ways, Lord. Everlasting. I pray that for, for myself, but all of us here this morning. Come and lead us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so Luke 12, verse 8 to 12. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That's uh, God's word, and we believe what we had read there is from Him. This morning's outline, um, and I, I thought of, uh, I, I struggled to come up with a sermon title. I wanted to call it as easy as ABC, but it's, and the outline is ABC. Uh, we're going to look at acknowledging Jesus, and then being very careful, and then confiding in the Holy Spirit out of this text. Now, before I jumped into that, I just quickly wanted to refer back to the context of the situation that we find this text in. You will remember, uh, for the last couple of Sundays, we have looked at how Jesus had dealt with the religious elite in His day. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, all those guys with the long robes and the hats, and they, they looked like everything was together. They looked like they had everything in place. Everything was perfect. And how Jesus dealt with the confrontations. Because he was performing miracle after miracle after miracle, proving that he is the Messiah, proving that he is the Son of God, proving that he is Emmanuel, God in the flesh. But then they resist him they resist to believe in him they accuse him of performing miracles by the power of satan in luke 11 and then we we see jesus refuting that and we see him basically showing that they are faulty logic but nonetheless he is invited to a luncheon we saw that a couple of sundays ago where he is with these religious leaders at a lunch but he doesn't adhere to their rituals. He doesn't wash and clean himself the way that they say that he should. And we see how when they take Jesus on in that way, Jesus calls out their hypocrisy. He says, listen, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. You, you look like you've got everything together on the outside. But you guys are like cups that are washed on the outside, but they're dirty on the inside. But you've got to remember that in that context, Jesus is doing all of these things. He's, he's 
showing his disciples and everything, he's teaching them how they are going to have to deal with these type of accusations. Because Jesus himself said to them that, listen, no student is greater than their master, and they are going to face the same type of challenges. So the context of this is, is that after that luncheon, Jesus uh, goes out and it says immediately there in Luke 12 that thousands of people were there. They were there waiting, of course, to hear Jesus teach and thousands were there to see the miracles that he was performing because there were, of course, in the crowds, thousands of people wanting just to see the miracles. But it's in this context that Jesus says, hold on, time out, guys. It's sort of like a basketball game or a hockey game or a football game or, or whatever game. Jesus is a good coach. He says, okay, time out. Disciples, come in. Let's quickly have a chat. And so he wants to highlight to his disciples three big things that they need to remember or three warnings. Two Sundays ago, we looked at that luncheon situation and, and Glenn called Jesus the awkward guest. He's a very awkward guest. He's, he's not scared to take on the Pharisees in their own home turf. They are super comfortable. They've performed their rituals. They've done everything according to what they think it should be. And he calls them out. And so he reminds the disciples in this situation, in this little huddle, he says, bring it in, guys. Listen, first thing, watch out for the leaven. Watch out for the yeast, like a little piece or a, a part of the dough that is, you know, contracted with yeast. It will spread through. And he says that yeast is hypocrisy. And so we heard that challenge a couple of Sundays ago that, you know, all of us, if we're truly honest, we can raise our hands and say, yes, I'm a hypocrite. And there's been times in my life that I've been a hypocrite. Or at least we can say that by the grace of God, I am a recovering Pharisee. It's a good place to be to say, you know what, I'm a recovering Pharisee. Because I think there, would, there wouldn't be any of us who would be able to say, you know what, I have always, what I've portrayed on the outside is exactly what's going on inside our hearts. And we see Jesus bringing his disciples in, and he says that. Secondly, he tells them, listen, do not fear. Do not fear those who can kill the body. Last week, Glenn taught on that, and Jesus basically says, listen, the reason why you shouldn't fear man is because they can only kill the body. They cannot kill your spirit, your soul, that who you really, who you really are. You're not just body. This is a temporary tent. And so he says the one that you should fear is the one who has the power to cast you into hell for eternity. That's the person you should fear. And the only one who can do that is God. And so we pick up then after that the third um, warning to them. That he wants to talk to them quickly about in this quick huddle is acknowledging him. And so let's look at Jesus' words and teaching on this. So the first point, acknowledge Jesus. He says there, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. What do you notice in in that invitation or that warning that Jesus gives? It's it's both for me an invitation and a warning. Who are the people who need to acknowledge him? 
Is it just one group of people? Is it just a specific elite? Everyone. Everyone. Have you heard it before that people say, you know what, I, I cannot believe in Jesus. I cannot, I cannot follow the, the teachings of Jesus or be a Christian because it's too narrow. You know, it's too narrow. Jesus is too exclusive. Or, you know, you Christians, you're just a bunch of narrow bigots because how on earth can you call out people on sin or how can Jesus say that I cannot live my life in accordance to the way that I want to live? You see, I disagree with that statement that people make. Because if we look at this, we see Jesus' invitation is for everyone. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Every sinner, every ethnicity tribe and tongue. Jesus isn't exclusive in that. His invitation is inclusive. He says, listen, everyone is welcome. But you see the issue is that when Jesus takes a hold of your life, you get reborn. When your spirit is made alive because without Jesus, without His power, without Him making us alive by the, the Spirit of God, we are dead. We're dead in our sins. But when He takes hold of your life, change, your heart changes. And what that means is that you do not want to carry on living in the way that you're living. And that is what's so beautiful about Jesus' invitation. He says, listen, the church is actually a place, and His kingdom is a place where everyone is invited. Every sinner. You can think of every sin. If we go with that piece of scripture there, we see that Jesus says, everyone, should I go on to the other mic? So it's not working. Test, test. Okay. We'll just wait for uh, that to be switched on there and taste. Taste one, two. Taste. taste. There we go. Okay. Let's try that again. Did you guys get that? Was I talking loud enough? Even with the interruptions that you got that? Or no? Should I repeat what I said? No. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Okay, you got it. That's fantastic. So, the, the, listen, the main idea there is, Jesus' invitation is for everyone. Okay, it's for everyone. So, um, we need to acknowledge that. But when it comes to acknowledging Jesus, if we really look at what that means, what, what does it mean to acknowledge Him? Um, if you go and look at the root word, the Greek, homologese, what it refers to is a covenantal acknowledgement. It's a covenantal relationship. It's not just a casual, oh yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, but then turning away quickly when the going gets stuck. It is a covenantal promise that is very similar and actually the same way that you make that covenantal promise to that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with 
in a marriage. One woman, one man coming together before God and they promise each other that they're going to love and endure all sufferings and things that are lying ahead in this life. By the grace of God, they're going to do that by His power. And it's the same type of relationship. It's the same type of commitment. It's not a casual hookup. It's not the way that we as a culture see relationships. If we look at other translations of the Bible, I quickly want to highlight two other translations and how they word it. The Amplified Bible says, I say to you, whoever declares openly and confesses me before men, and then it puts in brackets, speaking freely of me as Lord. Eugene Peterson's The Message translation says, stand up for me among the people you meet. So in other words, it's a... It is like being married, right? Like when John and I got married, we went on honeymoon, and when we came back, the people knew we were married, right? Like they, you just glow. It's like it was honeymoon, and you're floating, right? And what what happened in that relationship, and it, it just comes out. You talk about your spouse, you know. It's everything is about the other person, and the people just know. So I want to challenge us. And with that first part about acknowledging Jesus, is your relationship with Jesus, if you profess to be following Jesus, is it the same way? Is it in the way that, listen, what he has done in your heart is overflowing out of your mouth? Because Jesus is saying, listen, acknowledgement is not a private thing. It's not a thing of like, oh yeah, it's just between me and Jesus and it's just about what I do on Sunday mornings. It's just about my my break time that I spend on the trail and I go and I have the most awesome time here on the chief and you know I meditate on Jesus and it's just me and Jesus but when I come down from the chief and I'm at work and with my family there's never any talk of Jesus and Jesus challenges us to say that is impossible then you've got the wrong Jesus but if you're not in that place yet the challenge is still there for us and the invitation is that everyone is welcome to acknowledge Jesus and the question is have you done that have you acknowledged Jesus as your Savior and as Lord as the one who from start to finish in the Bible because I want to tell you we here at the Rock Church we believe the Bible we believe that the collection of 66 books that is in the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit authored by him he used many people to write the Bible, but it's one author, one story, and it's all about Jesus. It's all about He is the one who came to live the perfect life that we should have lived. He died the perfect death that we should have died because of our sins, in order that we, by the sacrifice that He paid and that was made on the cross of Calvary, when His blood was shed, that we can be made righteous in God's sight. Because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. So have you publicly declared that? We have baptisms coming up. What an awesome opportunity to publicly declare your faith in Jesus. Because that is what it is. Baptism is a step in obedience to obey what Jesus had commanded us to do. We're, we're commanded to go and make disciples of all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you this morning. Make that public declaration. What are you waiting for? what are you waiting for? Do it. He has called us to do it. Romans 10 verse 9 to 10 says, 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. So the work, look at that verse, the work that is done in the heart, the regeneration of the heart, the spirit that is made alive, your soul lives again because it was dead in sins, and now the confession comes out of your mouth. But the, the question is still, you know, why? Why would we want to acknowledge Jesus? If we look at this text, Jesus gives us the most important answer. He says that one day when this life and all that we see around it has ended, because it is going to come to an end, we will then be acknowledged by Him in front of God and His angels. In other words, Jesus is saying, and as He did in last week's text, He says, listen, there is a consequence for life. There is going to be a time. There is going to be a time that all of us are going to stand in front of God who had created the heavens and the earth and he had created man in his image and likeness and we are going to have to give an account of our lives. But listen to what he says. He says, acknowledge me and I will acknowledge you before God and his angels. He says me. He does not say acknowledge me, but also bring together all of the other little things that you think is going to give you righteousness. So in other words, it is acknowledge me only. It is not acknowledge Jesus and then together with my Buddhist practices or my Hindu yoga or my ego or my status or my ethnicity or my religious practices or for how long I have been a Christian because we can think that you know what? It's about how well I have done in my task as a Christian that is going to make me righteous before God. Jesus says, no. It is me and me only. If we come to a place in our Christian faith where it's Jesus, yes, Jesus, I believe in you and you've given me salvation. But you know what? I struggle to get peace. I don't have peace. I don't experience that peace. I'm the only way I get the peace is by doing this practice. The only way that I can rely on peace in my heart is if I have this amount of money in my bank account. The only way that I can have assurance and joy is if I climb the chief 10 times a month. The only way that I can have this. Whatever I tag onto Jesus and that is the thing that needs to help me to attain peace and assurance and be affirmed. I'm busy with idolatry and Jesus will not and cannot and he, sh he, he shall not, in plain old English, compete with anything else. Acts 4 verse 12 says, there is, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under he heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. And it's something that all of us need to ask. We need to ask, am I reliant on acknowledging Jesus and Jesus only? Am I, is, is he the only Lord? Is he my only king to which I pledge allegiance to? But listen to that, that verse. He, it's, it's not just about acknowledging him. 
But he goes on to say that, listen, it is about not denying him. So what is, what is denial about? It is when you're in a situation where someone is confronting or something is confronting you about the way that you live or what you profess. And there is either an opportunity where you acknowledge or you deny. You say, no, 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 hold on. I'm not, I'm not one of those. Or I'm not a Christian. Or I'm not, no, I don't know Jesus. So the question is, where in our lives are we maybe confronted with those type of issues in which Jesus is actually waiting to see whether or not we're going to acknowledge him or deny him? Because the warning is, if we deny him, he will deny us before God. He warns us um, in a different part, in a different gospel in Matthew, I believe it is. And I think also somewhere in Luke, but, but Jesus says, listen, one day many are going to stand before me and they're going to say, but Lord, did we not do this in your name and that in your name? And then he says, oh, I'm going to say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. So we're going to have to look at even our religious practices to say, you know, that's, that's definitely not good enough because it needs to start with our spirits being made alive in him. Because you see, it's one thing to acknowledge Jesus amongst everyone or people that believe the same thing. But it's another thing to acknowledge and not deny him in the culture and in the place where everyone is against you because of your faith in Jesus. And so in the end, as we can see, Jesus is talking about destiny. He's talking about your destiny. What is going to be the eternal state of your life? Your spirit. We see that he says acknowledgement happens before God and his angels. And in the previous section before that, he told the disciples, fear the one who can cast you into hell. Now when we say that word, you can immediately hear many people say, well, there you go. That's exactly why I do not follow Jesus. That's exactly why I do not become a Christian or do not want to be a Christian. That's why I do not want to associate with people like you. Or even within the church, we have people that deny the existence of an eternal place separated from God. We have that amongst ourselves. We have an issue with God wanting to deal with evil forever and ever and ever and ever. Because in our minds, we have, because of the fact that we chose to eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have made morality relative and subjective. I can decide what is right or wrong. And so we disagree with Jesus on this. But if we're totally honest, we don't have any problem with the fact that serial killers, child molesters, rapists, Corrupt people that are corrupt, politicians that are corrupt. We don't have any issue that the law has to deal with those people. We say, there's, yeah, we need laws. We need justice. Because if you've been wronged, if your car has ever been broken into or stolen, I'm not sure if you, do we have stuff like that happening here in Canada? I'm from South Africa. That happens every day. I heard a crazy statistic currently in South Africa. I think the stats is... Um, I think it's, is it 54 murders every day, something like that. Okay, South Africa's uh, crime is just, their stats is out of the roof. But 
when that happens to us, what is it that we feel needs to happen after that? What is it that we seek? Revenge or justice, right? But how come when it comes to God, and if he is God, it means that he needs to be just and holy. How come we have an issue then when God tells us, listen, yes, I will deal with evil and the devil and his demons and everyone else that followed him one day forever and ever. And I believe the issue comes in once again, and I spoke on that previously, is we still believe the lie that all of us are actually good. We believe it. We, if I were to ask any person, we compare ourselves to one another and to these other things that I mentioned, all these other uh, hideous acts, and we think we're better than that. We think because we have not crossed the line that far, it will be injustice of God to go and send everyone that does not have faith in Jesus to hell. And so we miss the point that the Bible teaches us that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Because Jesus' standard is not just looking at what you do. He challenges us to say it's about what you think, what your desires are. Are you thinking about hating or are you hating your brother? You're a murderer. Are you thinking lustfully of another person? You're an adulterer. You have missed the mark because God's standard is way up here. So our challenge this morning is to ask ourselves, you know, when we look at the doctrine of hell or this issue of people being damned forever, do we look at it with compassion? Do we as the church have compassion on the fact or on people because of this fact that they might spend eternity without God? Because you've got a group of people that actually talk about it in such a way that it, it seems like they get a kick out of it. But that's not Jesus' desire. Jesus' desire is for us to have compassion, to say, hold on, we, we've got a good message, we've got good news. Because I believe there is a close connection between our belief in our eternal state and acknowledgement of Jesus. If we... If we doubt God's justice and his goodness and that he's going to deal with us one day in this manner, it will block our acknowledgement of him. I promise you, if you do not believe that there is an eternal state of damnation called hell one day and an eternal, everlasting joy, glorious state in the presence of Jesus, I promise you it will have an influence on what comes out of your mouth. And that brings us to second point. Be very careful. We need to be very careful then in when we acknowledge Jesus. Because listen to this. He carries on to say in the next part. He says, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. In this account, in Luke he is telling his disciples this again because he's reminding them of what the Pharisees had done. Because if you will remember, the Pharisees said, hey, Jesus, you're not performing these miracles by the power of God. You're doing them by the power of Satan. 
And in that context, Jesus said to them, listen, you guys are in grave danger because if you say this, you're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. You're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. And he warns us that, listen, there's then no forgiveness for that. When we speak against God in that way, when we start saying, hey, listen, what's happening at that church or with these people, these miraculous things or when people's lives change, and we call that works of Satan, we'd better be very sure. <laughs> Because if we make judgments, we're placing ourselves in an omnipresent, all-knowing, omniscient status where we know everything and we know exactly what's going on in the hearts of people. So first of all, I want to say I believe the, the warning is twofold. It is to watch out what you say because you might not know what God is doing. But then secondly, if you look at the Pharisees, they said this about Jesus because their hearts were too hard to hear the Holy Spirit's conviction. And so the warning is that we can come to a place where our hearts are so hard that prompting after prompting after prompting, we resist. We say no. We say no to the prompting and the conviction of sin. We don't listen when God speaks to us through his word. And when our hearts have become so hard, then we're at that place where we are starting to speak the things that are hard in our hearts. We start then basically denying Jesus. But listen to the encouragement. Jesus says, everyone who blasphemes against him or God will be forgiven. That's a great invitation again. Everyone will be forgiven. Every sin will be forgiven mankind. So quickly think practically about this. How many of you... and no, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand. I'll, I'll put up my hand. I have blasphemed. I have used the Lord's name in vain. If you look at movies, if you look at, I think it's, uh, what's that movie, The Wolf of uh, Wall Street, I think has the record for the most swear words ever used in a movie and the most amount of times that Jesus Christ's name has been used. But think about that. That will be forgiven if the people repent because the Holy Spirit still has an opportunity to convict them. But when it comes to the point where your heart is so hard, there's no turning back. Because you cannot hear the voice of God. Now I want to end with this point by saying, you might sit here, if you sit here and you're concerned about that, then you're like, well, have I, have I perhaps committed that sin? I want to encourage you to say that that thought is most probably an indication that no, you have not committed that sin because you would not even think that or be concerned about that if you have ever committed that sin. You guys understand what I mean? Just by thinking that, it shows your heart is open to the possibility and listening to the Holy Spirit's conviction to say, hold on, am I, am I in the wrong year of, of what I've said? So I want to encourage you here this morning that but we, with this, that we still have to examine our hearts to say, okay, maybe I've not committed the unforgivable sin because what that means is that we're, we're never going to be in right standing with God. But I do want to be in that place where I do receive forgiveness for any other way that I've maybe blasphemed Lord, uh, God. And so with that, 
I believe Jesus is saying to us, be very careful. Acknowledge me, but in your acknowledgement, be very careful. Last point, confide in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, and when they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. As I'd mentioned, Jesus, of course, knew, being a, a good coach, he knew what his players, he knew what his team was going to face when they were going to go out and play against the opponents. He knew that they were going to be ridiculed. He knew that they were going to face opposition, persecution, and suffering. And he told them, they do not have to fear, because you know why? They have his spirit within them. They have his spirit within them. The Bible says, I think it, it's my favorite verse, I think it's Romans 5 verse 3, it says, you know, we do not, in suffering, even in suffering, we rejoice because God's love has been poured into our hearts through His Holy Spirit. But the question is, in those times or the times that we're going to face, whether it be at work or in your family and amongst friendships, if Jesus says this to us, listen, don't be anxious about that. Does that negate our responsibility of being in the word and living out our faith in obedience to him? I don't believe so. Because look at this next verse in, in 1 Peter 3 verse 15. It says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So set apart Christ first. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So this verse talks about the fact that, listen, set apart Christ first. Acknowledge him first. He's Jesus first. But the only way we can do that is, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus himself said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. And how does the Father draw us into into acknowledging Jesus by His Spirit. And so we do have, of course, the opportunity or the responsibility, rather, to be in God's Word. Because listen to what Jesus says. He says, the Holy Spirit will teach you. What will He teach you? What do you think the Holy Spirit is going to teach you? He's not going to teach you anything that's separate from God's Word, right? It's impossible. If you think you're hearing the Holy Spirit talk to you and teach you, but it is not in line with God's Word, you are hearing the wrong Spirit. And that's why I think it's in 1 John we are warned, taste every Spirit, because not every Spirit is of God. So you will only be able to give a defense. You will only be able to have the Holy Spirit teach you if you're, if, you're, if you're using the agricultural manual of life, the Bible, because this is what he teaches from. I was in the teaching profession for, what was it now, 12 years. I couldn't teach kids anything if I didn't have a textbook or some kind of curriculum, right? That's the curriculum. 
And so, to conclude my last point there, before I move into our final conclusion of today's message, do you confide in the Holy Spirit? In other words, do you trust in the Holy Spirit? Are you dependent on the Holy Spirit? Have you asked God to fill you with His Holy Spirit? Because this is interesting, and this is a, a verse that here at the ledge this week we memorized in Luke 11, verse 13. Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So we need to ask God to fill us with His Spirit. Otherwise, we're just carrying on in religious activity that is not empowered by God. So we need to consider these three things. Acknowledging Jesus, being careful with our words, and but then trusting and confiding in the Holy Spirit. To illustrate this point of confiding in the Holy Spirit, I quickly want to share with you this story. When I was uh, teaching up in Williams Lake, um, I was teaching in the high school there, and I had a couple of courses that I was teaching, but one of them was a, a planning 10, grade, uh, grade 10 class. And at the beginning of the semester, I would, of course, with my new classes, give them guidelines. I, I called it, okay, this is, these are my, I didn't call them rules, because kids get scared, they, they, they resist rules, okay? They, immediately when you come with that language, they resist. They're like, ah, oh, this guy, he's a, he must be an autocratic type of guy. Okay, and so I was trying to use some reverse psychology, right? Okay, but then I felt God say, hold on, just give them one rule. Just give them one guideline. And that's the golden rule. And I said to the kids in my classes, okay, there's only one rule. And they would be like, what? This teacher is amazing. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, hold on, you've got to listen to the rule. And I said, the rule is this. It's called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And they would be like, you know, look at me like that. And they're like, that's it? And I'm like, yeah, right? Because if you get that, you would not do anything in this classroom that you would not like having been done to you. So you're not going to disturb my lessons. You're not going to hurt someone else. You're not going to bully because you don't like that being done to you, right? And then they would look at me and be like, yeah, yeah well, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. And then work but the one time I shared this with the class and I was saying this and then one student stood up and he said hey isn't that out of the Bible very attacking and it was a transgender student by the way but an awesome student hard-working student in that semester I think um, in the end the best student that I had that semester and I listened to the student and immediately I was like <gasps> this is it, the principal is going to find out I'm out of here, <laughs> right? I was panicking. But in that moment, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, well, don't deny it. Yeah, it's out of the Bible. And it's the truth. And so I said, yeah, that's correct. It's out of the Bible. And I said, but doesn't negate the truth. It doesn't make it any less truthful. And I said, well, in philosophical circles, every, in university, the golden rule is accepted as one of the best teachings ever by which a person can live. And then the student looked at me and be like, oh, yeah, yeah okay. And then the students were, oh, okay, yeah. All right, and then, bam. You know what? Why do I share that? 
not to you know blow my own horn because i was in that situation i took a chance because i felt god say that's what i needed to do but in that situation i was like what am i going to say here but the holy spirit empowered me in that moment not to deny jesus to acknowledge him and to give a defense and with that specific class my relationship with that class was to such an extent that there was a student at one time we were talking about jesus and he said yeah jesus just like santa claus and i said go and google jesus and he said yeah i can google batman and i said well do your research and i said if you find out that jesus wasn't real and that he didn't uh, live and die on the cross and rose from the dead you don't have to do any work in my course i'll give you an a and then his friend listened to this conversation and the friend Listen to what his friend, uh, this, this kid was uh, saying he was going to do. And this friend of his says, you idiot, what have you done? <laughs> and then the guy said, why? And his friend said, many people have tried to prove that. They can't. <laughs> and I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> but I share that to encourage you to say, you know what? The, the point is not this. Don't hear this. I'm not here to tell you go out on the street and whatever the situation, just go and you know, blast people with the gospel or acknowledge Jesus and don't deny him and whatnot. The, the, the key here is the Holy Spirit, to be able to hear the Holy Spirit tell you when and how you ought to share. Because Jesus did say, be as innocent as doves, but as cunning as snakes, as serpents. We need to be wise. We need to be wise. So to conclude, to conclude, I want to say that in order for us to acknowledge Jesus, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it by ourselves. If it's about your own strength, it, it's not going to have any power. In order not to deny Jesus, we need the boldness of the Holy Spirit. Because that's one, of, that's one of the clear signs in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was extreme boldness. There was such boldness that, listen, even Peter, who denied Jesus three times. Listen, Jesus said, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you before God and his angels. But he says, any blaspheme will be forgiven if you blaspheme him against God. Peter committed that sin. But if you read the book of Acts, Peter repents, he's forgiven, and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the gospel boldly. Thirdly, in order not to harden your heart and blaspheme the Holy Spirit, we need to be able to listen and obey. We need to be able to have an open heart. And then lastly, in order not to be anxious, we need the Holy Spirit to teach us his ways. We need the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word because the Bible says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I want to leave you with those four thoughts this morning as we go into communion. And uh, maybe the, the worship band can uh, start coming to the front. And as we enter into our usual pattern uh, when we gather... I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. Ask and listen. Spend time 
in listening because he is speaking. He speaks through your, your mind, through your heart. And of course, how do you taste what you hear and what you think? You, you taste it according to his curriculum. So before we go into communion and as the, the worship band just comes to the front, let's just bow our heads and I'll pray for us.